0: Good morning, and Merry Christmas to you all. Good to see you. Welcome again. It's great to have you, and welcome to those up in the loft. Thank you for being here this morning. Hey, uh, recently, recently, I was watching a documentary focusing on uh, the two great colleges of the Bay Area, Cal and Stanford, and the story of the play that happened during the big game back in 1982 was highlighted, where the band ran onto the field. Uh, Stanford's band, thinking that they had won the game, but not realizing that the final play was still happening, and this trombone player got in the way of a Cal player um, who knocked him down and went on to win the game. It's an infamous story for the colleges. To this day, it still gets talked about. It's a a big deal. And, uh, well, as the documentary is telling this story... They flash on a current-day picture of the trombone player on the screen, and I think to myself, he, he sure does look familiar. And, uh, and so I do a little bit of Googling and discover that not only does he live in Half Moon Bay, <laughs> but he lives in my neighborhood, and I talk to him all the time as we're walking dogs and getting mail, and I had no idea who this was uh, uh, at all. And, and so I bring this up um, because as I'm reading about him, I see an article where he shares that his whole life has kind of been summed up in this one, six-second event. It follows him, and it defines him to this day, and every conversation seems to come back around to it. And And I begin to think that that's kind of like what Christmas is for Jesus. For so many, time stops on the life of Christ at this one moment in time. This tranquil scene of baby Jesus laying in this magically warm and glowing stable with animals looking and shepherds bowing and wise men gifting. And that moment just sort of defines him. And that moment is set in time for all time. Calendars changed, carols are written and sung, traditions to celebrate that moment are created, and it has spun out of control and has gone crazy, hasn't it? And and you know what's kind of fascinating about all of this is that Jesus and the Bible as a whole never tells us to celebrate or remember his birth. He only tells us to remember his death. Why? It's because his death is what the birth was for. Yes, Jesus came and lived among us. Yes, God becoming man, Emmanuel, God with us, is a big deal. And it is something to celebrate. But only for what it is. It is a means to an end. The birth is not the biggest deal. His life and death are. Someone said that if there's no cross, then Christmas is really nothing more than a big baby shower. That's all it is. So let's take a moment this morning to see the bigger picture. And before we get too far, let's go ahead and pray and open our hearts to receive what God will say to each of us today. God, thank you so much that you love us. You love us so much that you sent your son for us. And as we look to what that means uh, to us today in our lives, no matter where we're at on this journey, whether we're just kind of on the, the beginning, checking it out, kind of seeing what this all means, to whether or not we've been following you for an entirety of our lives, God, I pray that you would speak to us. You have something to say. And may each of us open our hearts and make room for what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been in the series that we're calling Reasons for the Seasons because this one moment in time defines so much and has become so much. And frankly, uh, so much more than it should have. And again, it's gone crazy in our culture and society and world. It's just gone wild. And and we know that it's an important season, and so we want to look at how to redeem it from some of the craziness that it's become to what it really is intended to be. Uh, In that. And so each week we focused on a reason for the season, and we said that it's a season of giving, so let's be a giving, generous people. We don't need an excuse to give, we just give. Uh, It's a season of getting, so let's make sure that we open our lives and hearts to receive people, and especially God and what He wants to do in our lives. It's a season of hope, um, a certainty of God's promises, and it's a season of joy and a season of peace. And so today we want to look at that it's also a season of Jesus. We want to look at Jesus himself. We've all heard the phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. And it's kind of fun with that little alliteration and rhyming going on there. We like to say that. And, and, and the point of it is, is that the emphasis is that Jesus started it all. It all began with him. The season exists because of Jesus. But this morning, let's twist it a bit. Let's make Jesus the object of the season. Since the season exists, let's let it point us to Jesus. And not just to his birth, but the birth in the context of what it means to us. What does the birth tell us about God? Who is he? And, And what does he mean to each of us? Most of you know the Christmas story pretty well, Mary, Joseph, no room at the inn, shepherds and angels and wise men and all of that, but at the heart of it, Christmas is God, the very God, coming down and being born as a baby. But why? The theological term is called incarnation, and the way that we can remember incarnation easily is that that root word, carne, carne which means meat, God with meat or skin on, God in the flesh with us. But again, why? Why did he do that? The Bible says, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. And I think it's because God was revealing stuff about himself to us, who he is. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And if you want to get to know God, just look at Jesus. He is God. And the Bible says he is the visible image of the invisible God. We can look at Jesus and understand who? God. So let's look at what the Bible says about Jesus' birth and what it says to us about God. And the first thing that the birth tells me about God is that God's plan will not always make sense to me. It says here, because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And we've joked over the years here at church of how Joseph must have been in the doghouse for not calling ahead to make reservations, right? You know, and this, it's an odd story. The two teenagers, she's pregnant as a virgin, angel appears, says to marry her, fighting family scorn. they get married, they end up on this road trip to Bethlehem, and her water breaks, she's given birth in a stable, which is like a garage or just this animal shelter off to the side. It's not fancy, it's not special, it's just there. And and this isn't the way I think that any of us would have done it, is it? If we're planning this big event, we would have gone all out on it. This is not the way it's... But this keeps in God's pattern of doing things differently than you or I would choose to do. You go through the Bible and you see time and time again, God doing differently, things different than we would have done them. God used a shepherd boy to beat up a giant or... God tapped a scared, scared guy named Gideon to defeat invaders in the land. God used Esther and her good looks to save Israel. And we share this every year, but it's important to hear that there's this famous verse in the Bible that just is sort of tucked in there, but it's a powerful verse. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And there is Mary, of course, dressed in blue, hand over heart, just pondering. But what does that mean? What does that mean? Treasured can mean to put things in order, to gather them, to put them in order. Ponder can mean to try to make sense of something. And so the verse could actually mean, but Mary was trying to grasp what was going on and tried to make sense of it all. She's trying to figure this confusing situation out. But God's word to her was, Can you, will you trust me? And that's the same for us, for you. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And so this tells me that I might be confused, but I can be confident. Confident. What are the circumstances in your life right now? Are you struggling to have to make sense, to wrestle control of it all, trying to figure it all out and get a handle on it somehow like you have that possible ability to do that? Try to step back and see that God is present in all of it and that you can trust him. God has this thing down. He knows what he's doing. And I may not get it, But God does. The next thing is, is God is approachable. We started out this morning by singing the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And there's a verse that says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. And there's this huge cosmic situation going on, isn't there? angels singing, stars appearing, and of course, the main person in the middle of it all is, is God. And so it seems at the start that it's big and epic and majestic and not real. It's kind of the stuff that books are written about and movies are made of, and it's just bigger than life, and it's just not at all relatable. But wait, there's God. God. Becoming like us, one of us, with us. And the angels and the majestic and the epic disappear, and we have Jesus' birth in an animal shelter with no one around and nowhere to lay him, but in a feeding trough. And all of a sudden, it's common and mundane and weirdly normal. And he grows up living among us, one of us. And this tells me that I can approach him. So we have to get to this place where God is personal, he's real to us. He knows your name, he knows your needs, he knows your tears. And there's this wonderful passage in the Bible that says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. He knows us. And the cool and humbling and profound thing is his response. In the next verse, the passage goes on to say, You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. He is approachable. He is safe and welcoming and forgiving and loving and affirming. And he wants us to know him back. Don't let God remain a mystery to you. Approach him. Know him. The birth also tells us that God takes me as I am. As a pastor for a lot of years now, I've heard so many people make statements like, well, I'm not good enough. Or I'm just beyond God's help. There's nothing he can do for me. And these phrases, you know what, they're just so sad to hear for two reasons at least. One is is that they reveal a heart of despair and hopelessness. And, And that's just sad. But secondly, it's because it's just not true. None of us are outside of God's forgiveness. None of us have done something so bad that God is powerless to handle it. And none of us are so broken that in disgust, God turns away from us. None of us. The Bible tells us, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He knows us as we are. And instead of being disgusted or turn away from us, he pursues us to offer us forgiveness and hope and the love that he wants for us to experience. And most everyone knows and quotes this Bible verse called John 3.16. You watch any televised sporting event, and eventually you see some giant sign that says John 3.16 being, being shown. And so most of us know it, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that's awesome. That's an incredible verse to quote. But what rarely gets quoted is the next verse that really brings it home. And it says this, that God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. He knows us, and he still sent his son for us. Incarnation happened so that salvation could happen. Nothing you have done will ever force God to judge you except what you do in response to the gift of his son. He sent Jesus to take us as we are, as sinful people, not to judge in condemnation, but to show us love in salvation. The next verse goes on and makes it so clear. It says, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. The judgment is not in what any of us do in any way. Nothing, nothing that we could do or have done will be judged by God except in regard to believing in his Son, Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. And just to be clear, believing is a life choice that means following him. Following Jesus, giving him our whole lives. And so all of this tells me that I can live without guilt and I can come out of isolation. I don't have to feel guilty uh, anymore because, because I'm not guilty anymore. I don't have to hide in shame for what I've done because he already knows me. And he made a way for me to come out of hiding into his love and into his acceptance. See, guilt is, is a horrible thing And it's the number one destroyer of happiness. It's the number one source of stress. It's the number one source of depression. And all of us at times have felt guilty over something. We've had some regrets because none of us are perfect. But Jesus says to all of us, guilt, it's done. I've taken care of it. Don't hold on to it anymore. And the last thing that we can learn from his birth is that God won't leave us alone. God won't leave me alone. And I think that's a cool thought this Christmas, because God is not going to leave us alone. He enters into this world, and he's working to enter into your world. And throughout your experience with him, God is wanting to take over more and more and more of your life. God is in a relentless pursuit of you. Why? Because he's an overbearing, domineering control freak? No, no, because he loves the world and he loves you. And his desire to take a greater role in our lives is not to destroy and control us, but, but as Paul writes to some of the believers in the early church, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom from guilt, from shame and isolation, and freedom to experience peace and joy and hope that we looked at earlier in this series. And so the takeaway for all of us should be this. I might as well just give in. Let go. Let him lead our lives because he knows what he's doing and clearly I don't. And some of you are so tired of trying to do it on your own, so tired of trying to be perfect so that maybe God would like you, so tired of trying to run your life and now you have the guts to say it's just not working I'm no happier now than I was a quarter of a million dollars ago or a few drunken parties ago or, or, or whatever it is that we try to do that thinks is going to make us happy it's not working God is with us and can fix that Maybe you're so tired of searching for the right religion. And Jesus makes no bones about it. He makes it so clear that you can only go to God through him. He is the way. He is the truth. and He is the life. There's life in him. And the part that he did is to give us this gift of life. But our job, our part, is to open up our life and accept it. To let God forgive you through Jesus And let God now have leadership and run our lives. I can't make that decision for you. Only you can. And so as we wind this down here, I'm going to ask the music team to come on back up. Because we want to provide a moment for you to ponder. To grasp what this all means. To sort it out for a moment. And see if maybe a decision or a choice could be made in your life. And maybe for some of you, you already made this decision to follow him, but you're still doing some wrestling day to day. You still are still working this laying out your life to his control and leadership. You're still dealing with that. So where is the pondering for you? But for those who, who might say, you know, I haven't opened up my life to him yet, I want you to remember this. He loves you. He loves you so much. Remember that Jesus is so much more than just that night long ago being born. He came and he lived and he died and he rose again so that you could have a choice to be free. Please, please don't limit him to just a cute little baby that we sing about. But accept him as a savior and leader of your life. He wants to be the biggest part of all of our lives. And maybe today is the day when you say yes to God. And if that's where you're at, I would love for you to pray with me right now. Something along the lines like this. Let's all close our eyes and and take a moment to pray. Jesus, I know that you love me more than anybody else could ever love me. And God, I thank you that you sent your son to make a way so that I could have a choice to live free, to enjoy peace and hope and um, forgiveness and all that you have for me. God, I ask for you to forgive me through your son, Jesus Christ. And from this point on, to help me to live life the best way that I can with your help to become more and more like you to lay down control each and every day to your leadership. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you said that prayer today, that's the best thing you could say and do. And, and this Christmas will be so much different because it's not about this child being born out there, but Jesus being born in here. And, uh, and there are next steps for you to take. It isn't just about this one moment in time any more than the birth was about a moment in time for him. We now have next steps in a life to become more like him as we follow him. And so I want to just encourage you to take some of those next steps. It may be getting in a life group. It is getting in a life group. It may mean um, getting a Bible. We have some in the back for you. We have some next steps for you. So please come and see us at the Welcome Center, Next Step Center. We've got some stuff for you. Mark your communication card. Come out of isolation and let us know that you have made this choice to follow him. And we want to celebrate that with you and go on this journey with you as you live your life to follow him. It's the best choice you could make and a particularly wonderful Merry Christmas to you as you have done that. So that's a great thing. For the rest of us, everybody, let's just stand now as we end our time this morning and just go crazy celebrating because it's about Jesus, Christmas is, and so let's focus on him. Thank you for being here this morning.